Welcome back to CC Airwaves. My name is Joel Hansel. Joining me today is Kathy McKiernan. Hello, Joel. Welcome back, Kathy. Uh, today's episode of CC Airwaves will find us talking about the services available from the Social Security Administrative Offices for individuals after the death of a spouse or a family member. We have a special guest here today from the Social Security Administration. We have Brandon Smith, who's Public Affairs Specialist with Social Security. Brandon is a University of Akron graduate with his degree in interpersonal and public communications. So let's welcome Brandon to CC Airwaves. Brandon, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the uh, on the show. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. Uh, could you give us a brief introduction and background into yourself and your work with Social Security? Uh, yeah, absolutely. As you, you stated, Brandon Smith, I'm a public affairs specialist from Social Security. I handle the agency's public outreach for the greater Cleveland area. I'm based out of our downtown office in the federal building. On a personal note, you know, I'm born and raised in Cleveland. I grew up in Cleveland Heights. Uh, went to, uh, I was a Catholic school kid from K to 12, went to Mount Pleasant Catholic and then Benedictine High School. As you mentioned, uh, University of Akron graduate go Zips. And after that, ironically, I taught for three years in the Diocese of Cleveland. I was a substitute teacher slash technology coordinator at Archbishop Lake uh, School. And I started Social Security in June of 03 out in the Middleburg Heights office. Uh, other than the people that I worked with and people I served, the best thing about that office, it was close to Krispy Kreme. Um, <laughs> I got, I, I got bless Chris McCream and I uh, got a promotion to this position as a public affairs specialist in April of 07. So I've been with the agency for almost 19 years. I've been in this position for almost 15. Great. Oh, yep. Oh, and uh, married to love of my life and have two beautiful children. Uh, she would, you know, she'd be upset if I didn't mention yes, that. The so. most important part. The most important part. The most important part. Exactly. So we connected back last year and I, I think you were at um, your parish mass, and you heard about our or you heard about our podcast somehow. So I appreciate you reaching out. That was I forget what uh, if it was um, the priest. I forget you you called and and emailed and reached out and and your parents. You were with. Uh, your mother spoke about it. I forget how you. Uh, yeah, us. my my parents go to Holy Spirit uh, Church on 131st, and um, like like so many people, we've all you know suffered um, various you know family losses. Last year was tough. Uh, lost maternal grandmother, lost aunt, and Holy Spirit was having um, sort of a uh, a memorial service for a lot of the parishioners that passed away. My mother had given me. The program because she and my father had gone to the service mm -hmm. and I was just f flipping through it and I noticed that there was um, a little blurb about the podcast and so oh, I didn't know this existed and I you know I reached out to you right. to try to connect right and we do every month we do a podcast with the, our bereavement specialist coordinator Rhonda Abrams and I know um, when you reached out I had put put it you know for some scheduling time in, in 2022. And then ironically, um, my uncle passed away in December and my aunt, um, they were in Florida and I had to help, I'm, I'm helping her with her affairs. And so I firsthand had to, the experience of reaching out to social security and dealing with, you know, the things a person who's going through grief and loss has to deal with. And so I, 
I can kind of share some of my experience, but um, we're in Lake County, so I was dealing with the Painesville office, which, you know, through COVID, everything's kind of, um, you know, virtual at this point. And so tell me a little bit about just going back to the beginning, the mission of Social Security Administration and what your purpose is and some of the Cleveland locations that that you have physical offices at. Um, sure. Social Security is a family program for all ages. Uh, Social Security program is one of the few things that touches every American of all ages, income, races, and nationalities. It's by far the most successful domestic program in the country's history. It's an invaluable resource. We're currently paying benefits to nearly 65 million people. One out of every five Americans receives Social Security benefits and an estimated 100 and uh, 77 million plus workers and their families are covered by the social security program. We administer social security retirement, survivor, spousal, disability, the supplemental security income. We issue social security cards. People will often uh, apply for Medicare benefits through social security. So as I mentioned from, you know, through, uh, you know, life journeys, we're securing your today and tomorrow um, and touching all stages of people's lives. Nice. And you mentioned all ages. So children, teens, adults, families, and spousal benefits. Now, I, I'm one of the things that maybe people don't understand is how are the benefit amounts determined? I know it's based on years worked and, and contributing into the system, but if you want to explain a little bit about that. Oh, sure, and I and I I I I failed to to cover one part of your initial question regarding you know where the offices are located. Oh, yeah. um, everybody's definition of of the Greater Cleveland area is probably going to be just a, a little bit different. But if you're looking at you know Cuyahoga County, there are eight offices in the county, four within the city limits, four in the suburbs. Uh, the Cleveland area offices. There's one in the Federal Building, East Ninth Street and Lakeside. There's an office on 152nd and South Waterloo. In the Collinwood neighborhood over by the Cleveland Food Bank, there's an office on the corner of 116th and Shaker Boulevard, not far away from Benedictine High School, right? just west of Shaker Square. And on the west side, there's an office on the corner like West 73rd and Lorraine. In the suburbs, there's an office in Beechwood on Park East Drive. There's an office in Warrensville on Miles Avenue, not too far away from the old Miles Drive-In Movie Theater. If you're old enough like me to remember the old Drive-In Movie Theater, mm -hmm. there's that office in Middleburg Heights, once again, Pearl, south of Bagley, down the street from Krispy Kreme. And then there's an <laughs> office in, in Lakewood on Detroit. It's actually next to a, a Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. Uh, outside, <laughs> outside of Cuyahoga County, as you mentioned, there's an office in Lake County. It's in Painesville, mm -hmm. uh, 55 West Jackson Street. There are two offices in Summit County, uh, one on the corner of Maine and Market and one on Romick Road. There's an office in Medina County in the city of Medina. Our Lorraine office is on West 5th Street. There isn't an office in uh, Geauga County. So, uh, you know, that's about, you know, almost a dozen offices in Cuyahoga County and the immediate surrounding counties. There's about 29 to 30 offices in northern Ohio. That's everything from Defiance to Ashtabulus South is you know, Steubenville and, and East Liverpool regarding the benefits for, uh, you know, so it's going to be most benefits are going to be based on you know, how long the worker paid into the system, how much he, she, they made and the age of the uh, you know beneficiary when they decide to take it. Retirement benefits are based on a percentage of the monthly average of your highest 35 years of work 
paid into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, survivor benefits, spousal benefits are also going to be based on how much the worker had paid into the system prior to their their passing. So you work, you pay into Social Security, and your benefits are going to be determined by how much a person had worked and paid into the system. Right. Pretty straightforward. Um, so basically, I think from our perspective, when somebody does die and you have a loss, um, it would be ha- helpful for us to present some of the steps or the checklist of things to do after the death of, you know, a family member or your spouse who has contributed into Social Security benefits. Yeah, sure. You know, we do tell people that, you know, look, it, 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 it's, a, it's a hectic time. Of course, it's a tragic time when someone passes away. Um, but when you, you know, do have a moment to sort of come up for, you know, for for air, we would ask that if possible, you, you, you let us know as soon as uh, your family member, um, you know, transitions and passes away. Uh, let us know of their of their passing. In a lot of instances, we may already know by the time you contact us. I know mm-hmm. here in Ohio, um, a lot of times this is sort of an electronic death, um, you know, registration sort of situation where a person's passing is usually um, updated within a couple of days of their of their passing. But once again, err on the side of caution and let us know. Um, depending on who the survivors are, there may be benefits payable. Uh, certain family members are eligible for ongoing monthly benefits. We can pay survivors. And, and, and let me just say, all these benefits are gender neutral. Um, right. sur- survivor benefits can be payable to the surviving spouse if that per- person is at least 60 years old or 50 and disabled. The surviving spouse can be of any age. If you have children of the deceased that are under the age of 16 or children that were disabled before turning 22, um, unmarried children under certain circumstances might be eligible for benefits if the children are under the age of 18, up to the age of 19, but still a full-time student in high school. If the children are of any age, but they were disabled before they turned 22, that could be a biological, adopted step, or even grandchildren under certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be the divorced surviving spouse and potentially be eligible for benefits and parents, a parent that's um, 62 years old or older who was financially dependent upon their late child might also potentially be eligible for a survivor benefit if the late child was providing at least half of the mm-hmm. parent's support. So um, surviving spouse, surviving children, in some instances, a surviving parent um, might all potentially be eligible for ongoing monthly benefits. And we also do pay the one-time lump sum death payment of $255 that can be paid in most cases of the surviving spouse or dependent children. Very good. Thank you for explaining all of that. One of the things we experienced um, that I probably should have known as my my father passed away 18 years ago and I had been through this, but when the person passes away, depending on what day of the month it is, um, for instance, if, if it's the 13th and their social security benefit was paid in, or deposited, like on the 10th, um, later in the month, the funds were withdrawn and they'll be rectified again and redeposited, but there's a calculation and process that occurs. And I that's helpful, I think, for people to know just for planning purposes. If you want to explain that, that would be great. Sure. So we pay our checks a month behind. The check a person receives in a month represents the previous month. So you 
knock on wood, you live all of February, your February retirement, you know, spousal, ex-spousal, child check is going to be paid in the month of March. So if a check is paid in a different month than the month of passing, that check will need to be returned. So even if a person passes away on the 30th or the 31st of the month and that check is paid three or four days later, the person didn't live the entire month. So they're not eligible for that check for the month that's paid the next calendar month. There's no prorated death check. So I just want right. to make sure that's really clear. Mm-hmm. In the month of death, it it can it 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 sort of depends because because like I said, um, you, the record of your passing may update relatively quickly. So let's say a person normally gets their check on the fourth Wednesday right. of the month. But, you know, once again, they unfortunately maybe pass away on the 4th. So they pass away on the 4th. Maybe our records update in a week or so. So now it's the 11th or 12th or so. And our records update with this person's passing. Well, we're not going to knowingly send money out to a person that has passed away. So that check that was due later on that month may not be paid. However, since the person did live all of the prior month, the family or the estate is due that money. That would be considered an underpayment. And we we do have a form that can be filled out. It's uh, for claims for the amounts due in the case of a deceased beneficiary. The form is on our website. It's called the SSA 1724, SSA 1724. It's for a where a deceased beneficiary might have been due a Social Security payment or a Medicare premium refund either prior to or at the time of their passing, there is, um, uh, there's a priority list of who would be due um, that, that benefit, that underpayment sort of goes from like one to seven. So it first off, it would be the surviving spouse who was living in the same household or was entitled for monthly benefits on the record at the time of the worker's passing. If there's no surviving spouse, then it would be children who are entitled to a benefit on that record. Then it would be parents who were entitled to a record, and then it would be a surviving spouse who didn't necessarily qualify for benefits. Then it would be adult children. Then it might be parents. Then it might be a legal representative of the estate. And I can send us all this information to you guys if you you want it, but there's a priority list of who would potentially be due funds um, in the right. situation where the person was due the money, but it will either not paid out or if the death occurs relatively soon either before or after the person's passing, especially when it's direct deposit, treasury may take that money out of the account after it's paid out just to err on the side of caution, but you can claim to have that money sent back to you. Right. Right. And, um, you know, it also might've been complicated by him um, dying in a different state and then, you know, moving and, and moving out of their home up here and, having a P.O. box. So we we've been dealing with a lot of uh, those types of things with address changes as well. But one of the things that um, has been kind of interesting is is if it's spousal benefits, finding all of the required documentation for proof. So it's just something that um, as people pre-plan their end of life needs, one of the things I think that um, is important is to dig up, you know, your marriage certificate, because that was one of the things needed, Um, and social security card or driver's license to have everything, you know, handily ready to be 
submitted to Social Security for proof of spousal benefits. Yeah, I I try not to tell people, hey, you need to go spend your hard-earned money on these documents for any arbitrary reason. But if you were already going to spend the money to go get um, you know, certain documents or if you have these documents, I, it's probably best if you can have them you know, readily available somewhere, right. be it somewhere at home or a safe deposit box. But um, yeah, when it comes to filing for survivor benefits, these are some of the documents we might need to see. Of course, every button situation is going to be vastly different, but we, we may, if we don't have it already, we may want proof of the person's passing. Our records may not have updated. No one may have mm-hmm. contacted us. So we may want to see the, the death certificate. Um, if the person wasn't born in the United States, we might want to see proof of citizenship or lawful alien status. If mm-hmm. the person was in the military before 1968, we might want to see their military discharge papers. Um, if you're applying on the record of a divorced spouse, we want to see the final divorce decree, mm-hmm. a marriage certificate, of, of course. We need to know your social security number as the applicant. We need to know the social security number of the late worker. Now that should be on the, the death certificate. Right. Um, you know, routing an account number for direct deposit purposes. What financial institution do you want the you know the checks to be uh, you know to be t- deposited into? Right. And, and that and, and that's one of the situations where guessing doesn't help because you know if if you're if you transpose a couple of numbers, you're not getting that money. So we do say right. whenever you talk to us, you know, you may want to have your checkbook or other papers that clearly show the account number from the bank credit union or other financial institution as the husband of someone that works at a bank. I've seen plenty of checks. Um, well, not as many as I would like to see, but you know, it's, it's hard to read the bottom of a check in a lot of instances. So right. if you're unsure if that's a four or a seven or a nine, see if you have something that where it's clearly indicated what your account number is. Right. Otherwise you'll be looking at another month delay or two. It could be a delay. Right. right. Cause right. yeah, th- please understand we don't know what your bank account is supposed to be. We only know what you indicated to us. So, um, you know, please don't think, well, I'm going to give them this number. I think it's right, but Social Security will figure it out. We, you know, we we won't. We're not, you know, we're not clairvoyant. So exactly, very helpful. Any other messages of um, your from your office as far as what you would like to let people know? Feel free to share. Oh, sure. A number of different things. People are always wondering, well, how can I reach Social Security? How can I contact Social Security? And you you have a number of options. I was going to ask you because it's it's we're kind of coming to the end of this COVID-19 shutdown, you know, where masks are coming off and, and people are getting back into their office if they were working remotely. So maybe start there, share with us what the plans are for the government offices as far as opening up again. That would be good. good well, I will know. say this um, in mid to late you know, January, our uh, acting commissioner did release a, a press release and um, she announced that the agency has successfully reached an agreement with the three labor unions regarding mm-hmm. our reentry plans. Um, employees will probably start to resume going back to the office, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. I, I cannot give a definitive time mm-hmm. um, time as far as when the offices will will fully reopen to the to the public for in-person mm-hmm. service. But people can still reach us um, by our website, socialsecurity.gov. That's socialsecurity.gov. They can call our toll-free national number, which is one 800 Seven seven two one two one three. That's one eight hundred seven seven two one two 
One, three, if an individual needs to reach their local office um, because maybe they submitted some information, they just need to make sure that everything's gone, you know, been processed with it and whatnot, they can find the local office phone number by going to socialsecurity.gov slash locator. That's socialsecurity.gov slash locator. You can um, put in your zip code and it'll give you the office that services your geographic area. There are instances in which people are able to make an in-person appointment for certain limited uh, sort of critical situations. Um, We do ask that if you are coming into the office with an appointment, you come by yourself if possible or with no more than one other person if you need assistance. Um, You're required to wear wear a mask regardless of vaccination status. Um, You know, please understand that we have limited capacity in the offices, so you know, depending on the situation, you, you may want to be uh, appropriately dressed for the weather. Depending on the physical layout of the office, a person may need to wait um, outside until it's time for their particular appointment. Um, my parents both applied for benefits online. Um, it worked out best. For, you know, that was the best option for them. You can apply online for retirement, um, spousal, uh, disability at Medicare benefits on our website, socialsecurity.gov. They did it in a piecemeal fashion. I got five minutes today. I had 15 minutes tomorrow. I got 20 minutes before I go to the movies on Sunday or Monday. Right. You can pick up where you left off by applying online for benefits. That is what worked best for them. You know, everybody's situation is going to be vastly different. And I try not to tell people if it's easy or hard because I don't know what those terms mean to you as the individual. But, you know, if you shop online, if you do your tax online, if you're on social media, you probably have the wherewithal if you want to, to apply online at our website, socialsecurity.gov. Yes. And I I have to say they were very helpful with our situation. We had, um, you know, sometimes people pass away and the remain the surviving spouse needs assistance, whether it's physical or mental, you know, any kind of um, needs. And we tried to arrange a, uh, you know, we had a phone call where we dialed in and, um, you know, they're very accommodating as far as conferencing in. But, um, you know, it, it, on the other side of it, they're also wanting to be secure because it's funds involved and sure. and um speaking directly to the person is is what was needed so we're working through all of that so i i've been um pleased with the support that we've received and i i just it made me realize that this would be a good topic to cover because when someone's grieving and going through this process the more you know information is helpful so oh yeah really yeah. appreciate you sharing all of this today Oh, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah. If there's any other um, information needed to to um, be given to our, our listening audience, again, I'd like to refer people to the website, socialsecurity.gov. And um, I'd like to thank you, Brandon, for your time today. Um, I also would like our audience to connect with us at Catholic Cemeteries Association via our website, which is www.clesem.org. That's www.clecem.org. We are on social media, as I see you are on the back of your uh, screen here, but we are on Facebook, and our our, uh, tag is at Catholic Cemeteries Association. We're on Twitter, at Clesem. Catholic Sums. So our Twitter and Instagram are the same at Clee Catholic Sums. 
So at CLE Catholic CEMS. So again, we thank you very much for your time today, Brandon. And with that, I uh, will turn it back over to Joel. Thank you, Joel and Brandon. Thank you. Thanks, Brandon, for joining us today. That was excellent information. There was a lot of stuff there to unpack. And I'm sure I'm going to be listening to this a, a few times just to make sure that I get all of that. And I'm sure, Kathy, in the podcast notes, we'll make sure to have the relevant links and information right. that Brandon talked about posted as well. Uh, right. For all the listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you found this informative. And we hope you join us again later this month. We'll have Rhonda Abrams back on and we'll have another bereavement podcast. Until then, take care, everyone. <laughs>